Yes, indeed. It is time for Three Guys Before the Game. Hi, everybody, and welcome in episode number 193 of Visit with West Virginia University quarterback coach Sean Reagan and more. This episode of Three Guys is being brought to us by Burdett Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia. Visit them at burdettcamping.com. And by Comax Business Systems, your full-service Konica Minota dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems at ComaxWV.com. Certainly hope that everyone is doing well, staying healthy, staying socially distant. As we bring you another episode of Three Guys Before the Game, we are, right? For those of you that do watch, we're invoking the six-foot rule. Virtual weight of it on the far side as well. And delighted to uh, have you all here with us. Guys, you ready to jump in? Let's roll. Let's, We've had yep. news since the last time we got together. We knew it was going to happen. Spring, uh, The spring game officially has been canceled. The Big 12 extending um, the suspension of activity uh, for all athletic teams, which means that now the creativity of trying to stay in touch um, grows even more. And we will have virtual opportunities for coaching staffs to work with their players for a couple of hours each week. And we're going to jump into that. Plus, later on in the show, take some of your texts and questions as well. We're delighted to be joined by WVU quarterbacks coach Sean Reagan. Sean, thanks so much for spending some time with us. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's our pleasure. They say uh, if you stay in the business that you're in long enough, you see about everything. But I would think that no way, no shape, no form would you have ever expected to have virtual spring practice. No, no, that, that never crosses your mind, I tell you that. You know, I mean, it's just like what Coach Brown preaches with us that we're trying to get across to our players is, you know, the most important thing that we're trying to get across is is safety and health of our guys and their families. So that's kind of our concentration right now. Um, I know we just got the news of being able to have some football meetings a couple hours a week, but to be honest with you, we didn't even start that today. We're still on the uh, wellness meetings with our guys, make sure they're able to eat right and exercise and checking in on the family and you know just making sure everybody that they know is, is doing okay as well. In talking with Neil last week, it seems as though that was one of the first things that he and the rest of the staff said, this is what we need to do, and that is the welfare, the mental welfare of the kids, because obviously we're older, right? We we can handle it. We've been used to some ups and downs in our lives. Uh, for some of these guys, it's the first time that something this unusual has happened, and so it seems as though you guys hit mental welfare first and foremost before any X's and O's. Oh, yeah, definitely. Well, if you think about it, you know, like the guys that we're dealing with are 18 to 22, 23-year-olds for the most part, and they've never gone probably more than a week at a time of being away from friends and buddies or whatnot or even team activities. And now, you know, you're looking at Big 12-wise, they've got a date of May 31st, so that's eight more weeks. So you're looking at 10, 12 weeks without – being able to get around your buddies or your teammates and you know that that can affect you mentally coach i would think if you're pulling a positive out of this situation as it relates to the the room that you oversee the quarterback room you're in such a much better position in terms of experience going into next season as you were last season this would be really difficult on you guys last year going with quarterbacks that really hadn't played especially here at west virginia this year, moving forward, you've got Austin Kendall and Jared Deggie. You've won games with both, so you've got two veteran quarterbacks there that you're working with this season. 
Yes, yes. And, and you know, hopefully that leadership uh, between those two will take over not only with our position room, but but the offense as a whole. And, and as we get going with this, along with this, you know, pandemic lasts, you know, hopefully that leadership as a whole team as well. But um, but Austin and Daigie, they've taken the bull by the horn, so to speak. And, you know, they've come up with an accountability plan for our position group of, of making sure they're getting their work done and, and staying healthy and safe and, and all those, you know, crossing the T's and dotting the I's that you need from your leaders on a week-to-week basis. Coach, so you know where you are in quarterbacks, but how does this impact the other positions? How do you get your two and three deep without spring practice? <laughs> That's a good question. I think we're I think we're all in the same boat across the country trying to figure that out. Um, you know, the, the big thing is is those teams that are close knit together. I think are going to come out of this deal with an edge. And what I mean by that is is I believe our team from the end of the season through practice two of spring ball before we were cut loose is I believe our team became much closer together as what we call a family. And if that knit can stay tight, then, then I think we can excel coming out of this heading into summer whenever we get the freedom to get back together. That's a really interesting point because Neil has talked about that time at Troy when the same thing had to happen. You guys instantly came in last January and you started building it. And we could see through social media channels and then what we couldn't see, the whole goal was to bring together these guys, offense, Mm -hmm. defense, and specials, to make a family. But you cannot hurry the process. It takes time, and it happens organically, so to speak. So I get the sense, based upon your last answer, that you felt you had reached that point where the melting of everyone on one specific path has come together for you. Yeah, I believe we were getting really, really close to that. Uh, were we 100%? I would say probably not, but I think we were as close as we could expect to be at that at that time. Um, the big thing is now, with, with what we're going through with this social distancing and not being able to be around one another, is we've, we've put it on our players, you know, we, we've put it on them to FaceTime one another, uh, to communicate on a daily basis, not only with their position, but maybe other position groups or even the other side of the ball with other teammates, just to try to keep that family atmosphere going as best we can, even though we can't be around one another. As you guys start to get into this couple hours a week or two hours per week that you have to meet with your guys, where do you foresee, where are you going to spend the bulk of the time? Is it in, is it watching film? Is it breaking down performances from last year? Is it drawing up plays? I would assume most of the installs already done. How do you think you budget the time there? Well, to, to be honest with you, we, uh, we're actually going to start over with our installs. Um, so I think Wednesday, Wednesday or Friday, we'll get rolling on the football piece this week. And we'll start over from day one install. And what we'll do is basically what we do is we have a three-day install to get through our playbook for the most part, give or take a few few meetings. But we'll spend an entire week or an entire two-hour period for that week on one install and uh, try to slow it down and, and get into the details of it so that they can comprehend it a little bit better in this situation. So, But, you know, we always try to take a positive out of every situation we're in. And the positive about being quarantined is we can slow down. I mean, now we're in an eight-week period. We can really slow down and teach the the specifics of the entire offense at a, at a much slower pace than we would in a spring practice setting, per se. Coach, you can, but it's still different than having them on campus, face-to-face, 
and I wonder, you know, you have all different maturity levels with these players. Are you going to lose some guys? And I don't mean lose them if they drop off the team, but just they, they just, they just don't stay as connected. They just don't get it. They don't work as hard because you're not on them every day. You're going to lose some guys. I, you know, that's probably a pretty good chance. You know, you hope not. You hope that they've got some self-motivation. And, and what we tell them every day is that, look, you know, you, if you think about when y'all arrive back on campus in January, all that hard work that you put in from January until, you know, middle of March when, when we had to shut this thing down, you know, it's up to you to determine are we going to maintain that and try to get a little bit better or are we going to lose it and have to start over? And and I think when you think about it on an individual basis, those guys, in, in my heart, those guys do not want to have to start over. So I think everybody's kind of holding one another up to their end of the deal to make sure we're, at worst, we're maintaining what we've already put in. Sean, you can do a lot, and I like the answer there where you guys can finally slow down and, and, and really explain in detail, this is why we do this when you're doing the install. This is why this guy has to go here. This is why this player has to do this, because if this doesn't happen, and they might go, okay, now I really truly do get that. Now I understand. However, there's also obviously the physical part of it. Right. Where? What is the biggest thing – that specific to the quarterbacks, what do they miss right now from not literally being out there throwing the ball, and how can you make that up? Well, the number one thing for for me at this position is we have zero time to work on timing with the wideouts. Obviously, we can't be together with them, so that is is one thing that we are losing, and and that's a vital piece in the the passing game is timing with those individual wideouts on certain routes or – or certain plays or what have you. But that would be my number one concern is when we get back together, how much of that timing have we really lost? Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a really solid point. Uh, Sean, piggyback a little bit there on what Tony just asked you about, about the two guys returning in particular in Austin and Jarrett. When you get back on the field with them, where do you expect to see the most improvement from each of them? What areas? I would, I would say, honestly, it's for both of them, it's fundamentals. Um, we, we spent a lot of time um, in the off season, January leading up to spring practice, on on their individual fundamentals, and that being lower body, mostly footwork. Um, I, I believe to be a to be an accurate passer and a great quarterback, you've got to have a great lower body, and we spent a ton of time on that. And it started to show through the first two practices. I know that's cliche. We only had two practices to see improvement. But it really did. It started to show in those two practices what work they did in the off season, and it's going to be on them. And I trust that they'll continue to improve that over this downtime per se, where we're not together. Is they got to continue to work on those drills that we did as a as a group in the off season. They have to do those on their own and spend quality time to maintain that footwork and all that work that they put in. Sean Reagan's with his WVU quarterback coach and. Uh, Coach, let me change directions a little bit and take us behind the scenes, if you will, because you and Coach Brown have been together for a while now, and I was thinking, Tony Creedy and I have been together forever, and we 95% see eye to eye and get along, but sometimes we disagree, and we have disagreements about how things should be done. So you and Neil Brown, come on, who gets, who gets, we know Coach (laughs) Brown gets the final say, but let's say you're thinking, you know, I think we ought to do this. He's Coach Brown said, well, you know, no, I think we ought to do this. I mean... Well, I'll uh, say, shed, shed a little light on that. Well, you? so I, I'm sure I know all the coaches know this from working with them. So 
if you have an idea that you believe needs to be in place over something that Neil wants to do, then you better have video evidence or proof for why you want to do that. If it's just a thought, it's going to get shut down in a hurry, and we always <laughs> laugh about it. But if you have proof, then you have a chance. So if, so if you come into the meeting and say, you know, I think we ought to run reverse, <laughs> right. he's going to say, why? That it's worked somewhere along that film line, and, and then, then we can implement it. But if it's just a thought off the top of your head, probably not going to happen. Very, very, very interesting, right? A little doubting Thomas there from Neil Brown. <laughs> that just saves time, yeah. right? That saves time. Well, it, it does. And, and the big thing is, is you know, it's a good philosophy to have, and, and like you said, I've been with him. I think it's nine seasons now. Maybe this is ninth or tenth. I've lost track. I've been with him so long, but 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 it works because if you don't if you don't have something a guideline set to you guys, then you're gonna have ideas bouncing off the walls left and right, and you're never gonna get anything done. So so that philosophy with him does work, and and we laugh about it from time to time, but but it's worked in the past, and and we'll continue to do so. Can I go back to a previous answer on lower body? Can you mm-hmm. can you explain that further? Why is the lower body of a quarterback so important? And specifically, what were they working on in the offseason? Okay, the lower body, basically in a passing game, it, it allows your body to get aligned to make the throw. So most quarterbacks that are, that are accurate all the time, like when you look at Drew Brees in the NFL or back when Peyton Manning played, those are just two examples, even Tom Brady now. They're so accurate because their their lower body is aligned for every throw that they make, and and that is the number one point with a quarterback is to make sure your lower body, and that's why we do all the footwork drills, are to an, a point to where you can get your body aligned to make every throw that we're asking you to make. If your lower body is not aligned with your target, then you're not going to be accurate very often. Um, some of the drill work we're doing, uh, we do cone drills. Um, we have different names for them, like shuffle and figure eight. But we do a lot of cone drills, a lot of movement, a lot of triggering on the run, whether that be with a ball throwing or even without a ball. But they, at least they're going through the mechanics of triggering that football through different cone drills that we do. Stay on philosophy here for a second, Sean. Mm-hmm. Given how important accuracy is, is that the number one most important trait of a quarterback that you're looking for? Uh, physically, probably 1A or 1B. Um but the, the number one trait of a quarterback is is they got to be decisive. You know, rather that rather they be right or wrong in a play, as long as they're decisive in their decision making, then then I can handle it. Okay, we can we can coach off that. But if you're if you got a quarterback that's indecisive in what he's wanting to do, then it's going to be hard for them to be very successful. But as far as physically, you know, accuracy is. 1A or 1B along with, you know, you got, you got to have some arm strength to go with it. All right, so on the recruiting side, how do you evaluate that? What jumps out to you first that you say, okay, put this guy on our radar, we're going to continue down the path and see what he has? So, you know, recruiting quarterbacks, first thing we do is we watch highlight tape. So they got to have the, the tangibles of are they accurate? And what I mean by that are are they throwing balls to where receivers can catch them and continue to go make a play? or on their highlight tape or their balls just thrown in an area where, yeah, it's going to be caught, but, but how often are those wideouts making plays after the catch? That kind of tells you a little bit about how accurate they are. And then arm strength, you just you kind of telling off the arc of the ball and certain, certain pass routes and whatnot. But as we get further into recruiting quarterbacks, once we make our list of our top five or top ten, then I like to go back and watch a full game. 
you know, maybe the best team that they played, okay, or maybe the best game they had and, and one of their worst games they had in that season and sit and try to look into it play by play as to why, like what kind of decisions are they making in a game over the course of four quarters. So that's kind of in short term how we go about evaluating quarterbacks. And we do appreciate your time greatly. One more thought from you, if we could. So mm-hmm. the the Deggy-Kendall battle is on. Firstly, what was the thing you liked most about both of those guys individually last season? What were their negatives that they have to improve on? And ultimately, what determines who the guy is this coming season? Um, we'll start with Austin. Uh, Positive-wise from last season is, is he understands the offense and and he was a really good leader on the field for that unit. Um, positive for Daigie is, you know, he basically got here last summer, um, got him a little bit of reps in fall camp coming off that injury, um, really played scout team for the most uh, part of the first half or a little bit more of the season. And, and then when we started getting him more reps as the season went on, like he really showed that, that he was into it. Uh, physically had a really good understanding of the offense and, and played pretty well for the most part. Uh, and he'll tell you when you ask him, is he did not play very well in that last game, um, but but he made one critical play and ended up being the game winner. Um, what they both need to work on, I mean, I'm still going to go back to fundamentals. Uh, you know, if both of them continue to improve fundamentally, then the sky's the limit for really both of them. Um, how I see it going is this period of time that we're in right now where we're isolated it's whoever is going to take advantage of this time period and work on their craft that's who's going to come out on top when fall camp hits in my personal opinion okay we lied what one one additional <laughs> question on there because there's the two guys that we know austin kendall jared Dagan. Mm-hmm. give us real quick a, an overview and i know you haven't seen him live a lot because you referenced just the the two practices but you've been watching film and recruiting him for a long time what's garrett green bring to the table garrett green is really really athletic really mobile in the pocket and has got a cannon of an arm um it is the offense is really fast for him right now and to be honest with you he may benefit of all the guys in the room, of all five of them in the room, he could very well benefit from this downtime that we're in, per se, to take advantage of learning the offense at his pace with as slow as it we're going to go. That could benefit him more than any other guy in the room if he takes full advantage of it. Yeah, and from the sounds of it, this guy eats it, right? So I would think he would, right? He does. He eats it. He loves it. He's always got questions. He's texting me on the weekends about certain things. Um, I, I think he's got a chance to be a really good player before it's all said and done. Coach Sean Reagan, thank you so very much for your time. Uh, we wish you the very best to you and your family. Stay healthy and uh, enjoy the new world that we're living in as the virtual tutoring uh, begins later on this week. Thanks so much, Sean. I appreciate it, guys. Y'all stay safe and healthy as well. Right. Thank you. You do the same. Uh-huh. There he is. WVU quarterbacks coach Sean Reagan, three guys before the game being brought to us in part. By Comax Business Systems, you probably know. I know Hoppy knows. I know Senator knows that there's only one dealer in the entire state of West Virginia that's been named an elite dealer by ENX Magazine, and it's Comax Business Systems. They've won it not once, not twice, not three times, not four. 
Eight times they've won the Elite Dealer Award. What do they do? They manage your IT services. They manage your voice services and give you 24-7 remote monitoring to give you the peace of mind to know that someone's always has, someone always has your networks back. And now more than ever, right, we're doing this stuff on the Internet. We're doing this stuff constantly, Zoom, whatever you're using, Skype, FaceTime. you got to have great connectivity. Call the folks at at uh, call the folks at Comex Business Systems, and they can give you an inventory of your current setup and help you along the way. Your business's networking system, ComexWV.com. Tony, two things stood out to me about that interview. Uh, one was where Coach Reagan said, and he was talking about a quarterback, and he said, "See if he can take full advantage of this time." And you talked about something that Coach Brown has said, and that in in, in when you're the competition is so equal among these teams, and this is so different. Who pivots best? Who can take advantage? Who can not only manage but take advantage mm-hmm. of this situation? Uh, and because this is this is very different for all these teams, and some are going to do better than others. I mean, it, it, they just they just they just will. And I think this plays to the strength of this staff because this is such a such an uh, organized staff. That they're not going to let that time go by. Totally that, was, agree. that was one thing that stood. The second thing was I thought it was a funny story about when you when you take an idea to Coach Brown, and that gets back to Coach Brown not wasting time. It's like, okay, tell me why. Show me why. If not, there's no point in going on. And that gets back to his whole mantra about time utilization. Yeah. I think you're exactly right. I don't think West Virginia could have a better group in right now from an organizational standpoint that will take advantage of this totally unexpected situation. Well, we've said that about Neil Brown. But then as you start to go through this staff and you learn more about them, and Tony, we've had, now had a number of them on, be it Sportsline or here, it's almost like listening to the same guy, yep. right? I mean, you can tell they are all very much in lockstep with the philosophy, how they do things, how they prepare, how they get their guys ready. So I'm with you. This is a staff that clearly doesn't know what's coming next, but knows what it's doing down the road for every one of those steps. It's, it's impressive to watch. Can I give a uh, recruiting shout out? Sure. Well, that, sure. That I don't think has been properly put out here when it comes to now. You know, I don't. I'm not. I'd, I'm not. I'm. I'm not a recruiting guy. All right. I don't follow them. I just take the thing of when they get here, tell me they tell me they're here, and then I'll go from there because I can't. Don't want to get involved. Right. Because like, you know these guys now they put out those little graphics. You know, blessed yeah, with, with all know, their teams. Yeah, blessed. You know. Yeah. Blessed to get an offer. Right. Right. Blessed to get an offer. But, you don't have time. You don't want to do that. You don't want to watch film of the offensive tackle in high school. Bless your heart. Have a good time with it. That's that's for people. That's fine. We got to have players in order to sure. play the games. Sure. But I, I I jump in midstream. You know, Hoppy. Rather than watching the salmon spawn, I wait till he, he's already he's he's already going well, up. Well, that's not totally true. Once they commit, now you're now oh, they're I'm on in. the radar. Totally in. Yeah, but you're not into. Oh, this guy is rushed for eighteen hundred yards in high school. No, and you're not into that. Zero. Okay. But I do want to give a massive recruiting shout-out. Okay. One of the all-time great recruits in WVU history. <laughs> okay. You ready? Yeah. Underplayed. One of the great recruiters. I think one of the five-star blue-chip recruits that doesn't get enough, Clay Marsh. Dr. So Clay Marsh. Dr. Clay Marsh. He's been <laughs> named the czar of the COVID virus coverage here in West Virginia. Everyone knows that by now. He's becoming a household name. He's a Charleston native. Played at Charleston High School basketball but here's the deal on recruiting gordon gee recruited him from ohio state 
when Gordon was the president of Ohio State, Clay Marsh was there. When Gordon gets here, he says, Clay Marsh, you've got to come home. You've got to help us. Obviously, not having any idea that we would reach a situation in which we would be involved in a pandemic. And Clay Marsh has come in, and he has provided unbelievable adult supervision over the entire situation that we're dealing with right now. And it's massively important for him to be here at this moment. So huge shout out. Gordon Gee, little did you know, Gordon Gee, big recruiter. In all seriousness, I mean, he's recruiting deans all the time. He's trying to get the best people around him. And this Clay Marsh recruit paying dividends. Five stars. Absolutely five star, Tony. Couldn't agree more. It was a great get to get Clay Marsh to come back to West Virginia. And Clay Marsh has done a good job of recruiting talented people to come to WVU Medicine because his pitch is, first of all, he's incredibly brilliant. He's also an optimist. And he says, come here and make a difference because you can get lost in some of these large uh, healthcare institutions come to West Virginia make a difference. He's done a good job on that. I've ta- I talked to him multiple times a day on this since this whole thing began. I've known him personally for years, and he's our Doctor Fauci to me. Mm-hmm. I mean, he's the guy I listen to. If he says this, I pay attention to yep. it in terms of how we deal with this pandemic. Probably should have him as a three guys guest now. He's a little busy now, but I think that after that, one, after well, that, he reaches, reaches a different audience. In time, Message. I think. Yeah, well, that, well, that's a good yeah, point. Reach that's is a, a different point. audience yeah. here. We can talk about his, you know, in all seriousness, like Steph Curry, didn't he did Fauci last week? We should do Marsh. Well, and your guy, Big Cab Barstool, did uh, Fauci. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's, that's what I'm saying. Get Clay Marsh on the show. Is he based? Is he still based in Morgantown Hopper? Is he down in Charleston? Man, I don't know where he is. I just <laughs> I just call a cell and I talk to him. He's he's well, on the move. On, we can get him on the line. Yes. Yeah. And I tell you, when I talk to him, he's, he's like, he's Neil Brown in that when I talk to him, he's never flustered. He's always upbeat. He sounds energetic. I never catch him when he says, oh, my gosh. Great I ones never get flustered, right? Great ones want the ball. Want the ball. The great ones want the ball and they don't get flustered. Yeah. All right. So there we go. There's a guess. All right. Okay, good. I'll, I'll, I'll give you a loop you in. Yeah. I'm I sure mean, I'm sure, I'm sure Dr. Marsh would love to be. I mean, it's the fastest growing podcast in the, in the region internationally. I mean, it's a, it's a perfect spot. Yeah, I would tend to agree with that. He can talk about it like his days at Charleston Catholic. Had a lot more hair than not Charleston great, Catholic, straight Charleston. I'm sorry, straight Charleston. Charleston Classic. <laughs> Charleston <laughs> Classic, not the not the Catholic version. Uh, not that there's anything wrong. I'm just saying the, the original Charleston High School. Uh, Jeremy from Liberty texts in, and his point is how the players staying in shape during the pandemic. Well, it's on them. But one of the things that he did bring up in regard to coaches' contact, you know what the kids are really, you can't make this up. You can do everything you want virtually. You know what they can't make up? Food. I mean, the meal, the meal, the change of feeding of these guys over the last couple of years based upon NCAA rules has been unbelievable. And there are kids that grow really big and strong because they're here getting basically anything they want when they want the right stuff. And so it does hurt them. That is a step backward that you can't fix. Because they're not here. And don't you think, like I asked Coach, you're going to lose some guys. I mean, some you got 100, 100 what? How many? And, and you're just going to have some guys who just are not as individually motivated as others. But it might be a chance for others to rise up again. Yeah. This is this is a new this is a new environment that's going to cause different results. Well, think think what it's a, that's a great point. And Tony, we talk about this a lot on Sportsline is the different ways in which guys learn. Right. So mm-hmm. some are going to excel at learning and absorbing it through this new fashion. Right. That they're going to yep. they're going to have an easier time at that than others. Some guys, the the studying part of it won't resonate as much as the on field 
I need to have reps. I need to go out and run my route. That impacts me more. So yeah, I think there will be some some give and take with some guys that'll fall back a little bit and some guys will surge forward and that this is how they learn best. This would be a wonderful opportunity for sports performance counseling. You get these guys and you have opportunities, the right people talking with them, painting the picture for them that when this is over, you know, put themselves, visualize what it's going to be like when you're able to go back out there. Sean from Virginia. Oh! <laughs> Within the past week, there have been two notable takes on the upcoming college football season. Notre Dame's Brian Kelly provided a deadline date of July 1st for everything to proceed as normal this fall. Kirk Herbstreet said he would be shocked if the season happens at all. What say you? Well, what I would say is what we say about a lot of things is you don't know. You're in a new, you're in something that the, I think Dr. Fauci says the virus determines a lot. Okay. You can't, now we can manage and West Virginia's done a pretty good job and other communities have too. You can manage it, but the virus is going to determine a lot of those decisions. Right now, uh, President Trump has said we're in the lockdown through April. Uh, you're not expected to peak in this country until April, but mid-April, but, but West Virginia is not expected to peak until late April, 1st of May. Different parts of the country are going to peak at different times. We're still learning a lot about the extent of the virus. So that is a great unknown. It, you cannot predict what is going to happen because you don't have enough data and you don't have a past experience to build on. That, that's the correct answer. Thousand right? percent I mean, agree. That, that should be, that's the correct answer right there. I do. I think what you start to look at, though, look for some signs and some clues as to how far back you keep pushing things. If you're now pushed back to the end of May, that's one. The Olympics have been pushed back an entire year. That was going to happen when? Late July, early August. So you're, you're quickly approaching a time frame with things pushed back that you're going to have to start evaluating. And ADs are. Listen, ADs are looking right now at the different models. What happens if you miss the first game? What happens mm-hmm. if you miss the non-conference portion of the football season? How do those things look? So I think that you're right that no one knows, and there's no way to know that right now. But I think you have people in this business starting to model sure. what it looks like right. if you don't kick off Yeah, you plan, right for, you're plan for options. Mm-hmm. If this, this, if this, this. Exactly. Yeah. I, I, to the uh, texter, totally agree with these guys. The only answer that's a fact right now is we don't know. That's the fact. We don't know. We'll have to wait. The numbers will come in, and you base your situation and your result after you start to evaluate the numbers. Andy in Columbus, hopefully with this new way of life, we are all trying to adjust to you. Each of, uh, I'm sorry, I, I'm a, I, I is a bad reader. <laughs> you know, in first grade, they had three groups of readers. What were you in? They had the smart kids, they had the middle kids, and they had the kids who struggled. First grade. I was in uh, struggling. Really? You struggled to read? Yeah. Is that right? In yeah. what grade? Uh, first. For, when, did you, when did you catch up? Like last week. <laughs> what was the struggle? What, what, did you not, what did you not do well? Do you remember? Appar- uh, I just couldn't say the words, apparently. I don't know what the heck it was. I mean, I was strong verbally because I got a D in conduct. As you know, my first report card in first grade, I got a D in conduct. Really? Yeah. Well, that was the problem right there. Yeah. So I was probably hyper, probably ADD. Couldn't whatever. sit still long enough to read the word. You just yeah. wanted to talk and move on. Yeah. So let me see if I can. <laughs> Not much has changed, Kirchhoff. <laughs> exactly. Let me see if I can read this again now. Hopefully, this may be written improperly. You laughing at me? No, go ahead. No, I'm, I'm not laughing at me. I'm laughing with you. We're just talking over here amongst yeah. ourselves. <laughs> Hopefully, with this new way of life, we are all trying to adjust 
Oh, so the reason why I didn't read it right because the thing's written wrong. Andy and Columbus. Goodbye! <laughs> All right, here we go. Have each of you found some downtime to pursue some of your hobbies and interests outside of sports and your respective jobs? If you each had to pick one, listen, here's the question. Okay. Okay, here's the, here's the, here's the, uh, here's the money. Here's the money. If you each had to pick one non-sports related hobby that you could make into a career that would provide adequate financial security for your family and you, what would it be? Love the question. Yeah. You want me to go first? Uh, yeah, go, go. I, my number one thing that I love to do outside of sports, and it ties in because a lot of this involves, my number one favorite thing to do is read. Okay. I, lo- I love I to read. you are going to go gambling. No, 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 no. no. <laughs> Although that would be a good one. If that could provide for my family. I'd do that in a heartbeat. While read, Tony if, was if failing, Brad was excelling. I love, I love, love, love to read. In fact, I've, oh. I've quickly dwindled through my uh, allotment of books. Normally, I only get into reading in the spring and summer. Because during season, I feel like if I'm reading, it should be based. Cheating. Yeah, it right, should be man. scouting and doing the stuff that we're doing. So I only get to books in the spring and summer. I'm quickly through my uh, allotment, Kurt. So wow. I'm gonna have to make an order. What, here you, the next what was day your last so. book? Uh, Brad Thor is Spymaster. I think it was called Brad Thor okay. is the author. Yeah, like, yeah. like some CIA right, terrorist right. type stuff. Yeah, I love that page kind of turners. Stuff. Yeah, page. Did turners. you read my food book? Haven't yet. That's on my. That's on my stack. Okay. Right. Uh, mine is uh, making Adirondack chairs. We've talked about that as I like making Adirondack chairs and I haven't done it in a while because I don't have downtime. I mean, my no, time, man, you're I'm, busier. I'm busier. I've added programming. I'm doing a study service, so I haven't had any time. Unfortunately, the, the time that it takes me to make an Adirondack chair, I'd have to charge $5,000 per chair. <laughs> <laughs> are you do you, have, do you have a do you have a blueprint you're going yeah, by yeah. oh yeah it's yeah, got a template i got, I got a blueprint a template, yeah a template okay it kind of but it takes me a long time i'm really really slow at it so it's not it's not it's not a money making venture hey we'll keep after it here's a quick story for you are you gonna answer the question yes Jack Marucci Hoppy's a WVU grad from Uniontown, Pennsylvania, uh-huh. longtime athletic trainer at LSU, was at Florida State. His son wanted a wooden bat. He went into his garage, bought an old lathe, made a wooden bat, showed some players at LSU. They loved them. They started picking them up. I'm giving you the super abbreviated. Mm-hmm. Those players became pros. They started passing him around Major League Baseball. He created a company called Marucci, and you'll see Marucci Bats have now gone over Louisville Slugger. Wow. That company was recently sold. How much, Senator? A lot. $20 million. It was a 20 or $30 million. So you, you, Somewhat, keep, you keep on those Adirondack shows. Okay. okay, for me, really super quick. If Okay, this is going to be... You'd be cooking. You'd be cooking. Yes, or play the banjo in a band. <laughs> play the claw hammer? Yeah. Why don't you got to bring that in sometime during this downtime? Bring I need in. to get better at it before I bring it out publicly. <laughs> the, I would the, like to play the banjo. The cooking's a no-brainer, though. Yes, but you can't make enough money doing it, nor could you what, do what? anything. <laughs> the banjo, you're rolling in cash there? <laughs> you get the right gigs. I mean, there's some, gig, there's some gigs you can make 50, 60 bucks a night. <laughs> You're better off with the food. Than Here's my deal. During he shook off the food because you don't make enough money in it, but he wanted to do the banjo. I'll do the banjo. Hello. Um, <laughs> I need someone to help me with the banjo. Well, These guys are out every, there. I guarantee there's somebody listening now who can help me with the banjo. Every year when I go down to Bluefield, 
actually Princeton for the Mountaineer Athletic Club caravan. These two guys come up to me. I love these guys and they're music guys. And they say, I got the guy. They'll help you. And then they always lose their number. So if you guys by any chance are listening, get the heck. They say, there's a guy in Morgantown. I just got to get the cords down. I mean, I can, cl- I, I can bum diddy all night long. I just got to get the doggone cords. Well, what chords can you play? Like you can play the basics, right? Yeah. Well, it's an open as you CD. Oh, it's an open. It's open G. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. Yeah. Yeah. So, right, yeah. <laughs> it's open G. So you got that one right off. All you got to go, Senator, that means all I got to do is like this. Call him. All I got to do is go ring. That's a G. Got C. I guess got Senator, can you play an instrument? Oh, no. Yeah. No. Damascus, Maryland. Hello. <laughs> Going back a few podcasts, you guys were talking about the best, worst moments in the Coliseum. One game I think gets forgotten a lot was Senior Day 2011 against Louisville. West Virginia down five, 20 seconds to go. Casey Mitchell hits two threes. Truck Bryant makes two free throws, .6 seconds remaining to come back to win. Okay, so some, I'll give you something on that game. Down 69-64 with 20 seconds left and then 172-70. That end of the game might be the craziest I've ever heard the Coliseum at 100-plus games I've attended there, Dan, in Damascus, Maryland. Let me tell you something about that game. That's a good one, Dan. You remember the game? I, you know I don't. So he was right. Casey hits two threes. Truck gets fouled, gets two free throws with .6 seconds left. Truck classic, right? Went down, ah, threw the head back, right? Like someone shot, shot him with an elephant. Ah, threw his head back, gets the foul call. <laughs> One of the best ever at that. Mike Kitts makes the call. Great official, Mike Kitts. Patino loses his mind, gets Mike Kitts fired. Mike Kitts never works again in the Big East. Are you serious? Yep. My kids never worked again in the Big East because of that call that night. Mike ended his career working Big Ten. Mike's a fantastic official. Well, that's a good one. That wasn't the that wasn't the Louisville game that game day was there, was it? No, that was the one they beat us because they had uh, that was the dude uh, Terrence Mitchell, Terrence something. Terrence Mann, wasn't it? Yeah, uh, was it? Uh, no, I don't Ter- know. Yeah, Terrence Mann. I'll check. No, uh, one Terrence. Uh, what year? Uh, hi guys, love the show. I'm writing in from Wheeling with a question. Wheeling, hello. Tony, could you please explain the backstory of the hello expression? Terrence Williams? Yes. Williams. Terrence Williams. They thought Terrence he was- Mann. Is Terrence Mann from Field of Dreams? Yes, he is. Yes, he is. <laughs> you know what? When you said that, I was, gonna, I was just going to let it go. <laughs> I believe that was James Earl Jones. Was, was it? Yes. Terrence was Mann, Field, Field of Dreams speech. speech. Yeah, there you Let's go. go. I can call it right here. Yeah, yes. That's it. <laughs> oh, wait a minute. Go ahead. I'm going to try to find it. <laughs> No, go ahead. It's mad. Anyway, the uh, caller says this. Where'd the hello expression come from? It makes me laugh every time you say it. However, my husband and I are at an impasse regarding its origin on the show. Could you please shed some light on this matter so we can settle this debate? Thanks for still recording amid the COVID-19 crisis. The show always brightens my day from LCB. Well, since LCB, since you're writing it, I'll give you a full one. Wheeling. Hello! So what it is, is Larry King, a thousand years ago, when he used to do his overnight radio show, and then it went on to CNN uh, television, he always used to, like, very gruff, handle phone callers, and they'd be all lined up. And so he would just go, like, uh, wherever they were from, he'd go, like, Topeka, hello. <laughs> and so that's that's basically where it came from. So I just kick up the volume. But Larry King, yeah, yeah. Sheboygan, hello, what do you got? What do you got there, Hoppy? You can go high tech here? Yeah. Of course, we won't mind if you look around. You'll say it's only twenty dollars per person. 
Right. There you go. So, you know, the, uh, it was in Iowa, wasn't it? Well, it was. Or? I was just going to say, the guy, so I played second base Excuse in college. Me? Second base. I was a second baseman. Yeah. The shortstop for three of my four years, my double play partner, guy by the name of Bill Petchy. Bill Petchy. He and his dad rebuilt the cabinets inside the farmhouse that's in the movie Field of Dreams. So they went in and had to make some adjustments to the farmhouse that was there. One of the things, <laughs> they put new cabinets up. My boy Bill Petchy and his dad were involved in the process of building the new cabinets, putting them in there. James Earl, I interviewed James Earl Jones once. Yes, you did. And he is a stutterer. Mm-hmm. He's a stutterer. But you wouldn't know it because he doesn't stutter when he learns his lines and repeats his lines. Yeah. Stuttering's pretty amazing when you think of all the great singers who have stuttered through the years, and then when they sing, they don't stutter. Yeah. Or Mel... Mel Tillis. Mel Tillis, yeah. right, was a, was a guy that stuttered. Uh, Texter says... Where's Bill Petchy now? I'm going to check on him. Uh, I believe he's a school administrator. Might be a principal back in Iowa. P-E-T-C-H-Y-I? P-E-T-S-C-H-E, I think. P-E-T-S-C-H-E. He was shortstop? He was the shortstop. So you, you, guys, you guys work a little 6-4 little double plays? Yeah, 6-4-3. Six, four, four, six, yeah, 4-6-3. Yeah. Four, six, four, six, yeah, a lot of them. Yeah. A lot of them. You ever had that four? You ever had that four six two where the catcher's trailing the play? I don't know if we had that. That's a good score. Four, you know, six, we always two. laugh. We had the weirdest shaped infield in the world. <laughs> Normally, you put your tallest guys on the corners. So one year we had a five eight first baseman, a five eight <laughs> third baseman, and Petchy and I are each six two six three in the middle. What do you got? How do so you have we a were f- short on the corners, big in how the middle? How do you have a five eight? For, how many balls did you throw over his head? Well, I, I threw none. I mean, I didn't make any errors. I threw none. But there were some times. Then the, the next year went to a 6-4 first baseman, 6-5 first baseman. If you overthrew him, yeah, you're, come you're, out of the lineup. Get you're out of there. Get out. Get out. This is a voice call, um, but I'm just going to read it because Google translated it, and I'll give you the gist of it. And this is from Melbourne, Florida. Wondering, with all the student-athletes that are either not from the United States, don't have a choice about going home, what do they do? I could barely get a student athlete supported during this time. What do you do? So, like for example, the Oscar Sheebways of the world, um, the uh, the young, the new dude, Gyro, um, Jairo, uh, Favris. What do they do? I mean, they're here. Um, I know. I think that Oscar has been down where his brother has gone to high school, prep school down in the Beckley area. Uh, I think that they uh, they kind of just uh, I think the rules are you know give these schools the ability to help these kids because obviously you're not going anywhere right yeah so, tough times man tough times um what else do I have here for you let me do a tweet while you're looking well sure Adam says speaking of Oscar if the reports are true that both Oscar and Derek return do you see a more pro style spaced offense being used if so who which two would be the most likely capable of stretching the floor. You know what jumped out to me? I mean, Sherman and McNeil are obviously guys next year you expect to be able to do that. But I thought it was interesting. Who said it? Was it Larry Harrison we had him on or Eric Martin that the best shooter on the team is Jalen Bridges? Mm-hmm. One of those two guys just recently in the last week when we had him on said Jalen Bridges was Eric, the guy. Eric said that, that Sean wouldn't want to admit it, but Jalen's right there with Yeah, him. so there's a guy. Again, we keep going back to this Jalen Bridges because we didn't see him top 100 recruit from right down the road here in Fairmont, uh, benefited tremendously by sitting out this year. So, again, I think you're back to everything you said, Tony, going into this preseason, 
Just go back and pull the tape, and you can push it forward to next season with multiple guys that should have their comfort level elevated and be able to make some shots next year. There's three of them. McNeil, Sherman, Bridges. Yeah, totally agree. I would think to answer that question, I'll be honest with you, I think the Mountaineer coaches never really truly got comfortable with playing the two bigs this season. I really, I truly believe. I think they probably, I wouldn't be shocked if they spend time this offseason talking with other people, probably in the NBA, say, hey, you know, when you got these two bigs, what's the best way to, how do you, how do you get, how do you get them spaced? How do you get them to, be, I, I wouldn't be surprised at all if they do that because it was a, it was a new thing, and they had to figure it out. How especially many early. How many, times, early. how many times did you hear Coach Huggins talk about a spacing issue? Yeah, this past season. I mean, uh, constantly, and it was. And when when you watched, it was obvious because you'd end up kind of those two big guys, and then defenses defenses would collapse. Yeah, and that was but, a problem. But theoretically, all that should happen: more time for the coaches to install. Yep. And more reps for each of the two guys in particular that you're dealing with in Culver and Oscar. Now they understand how to play with each other. Because think about them. Neither of them are used to playing with a guy that looks like the other one either. So there was a learning process there for everybody. And as Sean Reagan said, uh, it's all about the legs for a quarterback. Well, Eric Martin basically said the same thing for Oscar. His feet need to get better so that he can go out and guard on the perimeter so then you can switch one through five. And we saw recently as they played back 2010 games in the final four run, they were switching one through five, which just gives you uh, – how do I best put that in there? When you can switch one for five, it's like uh, – Well, you limit the offensive opportunities. It's, it's because like, because the offense is always just trying to get a mismatch. But, it's hard but to exploit. Yeah. It's like a it's like a lottery winner that knows you're going to get check every month. <laughs> it's just like, hey man, we're we're operating and we're operating with cash flow here. I could switch everything one through five. Hey, this is a good world. I so live you in a do good what world. you want to do. Whatever you want yeah. to do, we got an answer. Yeah, we're, we're still going to switch the living heck out of it. Speaking of that, Oscar must be listening to three guys. You know, we had Excuse Eric, me. Well, we had Eric Martin on the last episode of Three Guys for the Game, and yeah. he talked about. We said, all right, what what's the one thing you want to see improvement from Oscar? Where's he improved the most next year? Work him on the feet, yeah. bail switch. A, a video shortly thereafter of Oscar working on some oh, footwork yeah. drills. Saw that was posted to social media, which I thought was a nice response from Oscar to say, "Coach, I hear, I got you, I hear you, I'm yeah. out here working." Yeah, so appreciate Oscar listening to three guys. There, Absolutely, Bobby. Absolutely. Yeah. Today's program <laughs> being brought to us in part by Burdette Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in the state of West Virginia. You can check out their stuff at BurdetteCamping.com. They've got an unbelievable. Three guys special. Unbelievable three guys special right now. You can buy a 177BH Wildwood Camper for just 10.9. Just 10.9. Check it out, BurdetteCamping.com, located in Winfield. And all of their other brands, including Puma, Wildwood, Rockwood, and Coachman, check it out. Burdette Camping Center, they've got a three guys special to save you money. Check it out. All right. We'll learn more this week as to how WVU internally is handling stuff, this new world. Shane Lyons, WVU Athletic Director, is going to be joining us on Sportsline on Wednesday night. And I think, Hoppy, you also have a request in for him as well. He'll be on my public affairs program on Thursday. Oh, you're still doing that? Yeah, I am. Yeah. Senator, do you know he was still doing that? Well, sure. Listen in this morning, as a matter of fact. Yeah. Special Saturday editions, too. So... 
I hope you uh, hope you had a little joy here, ladies and gentlemen. We know that Kerchival wants to make Adirondack chairs available for five thousand dollars each. <laughs> Senator, should we put that on the Three Guys website? <laughs> See how many I can sell. Hey, by the way, chair up there. By the way, <laughs> by the way, you can still stay uh, geared up. Right? Uh, you can go to uh, Three Guys, the number three guys podcast.com yeah. three guys podcast.com yeah merchandising at three guys podcast.com senator wants to read so you'll find him under a tree somewhere with a book and you may find me at a uh just out uh no you're you're gonna be under a tree with a blade of grass in your mouth strumming a banjo yeah with a plate of homemade meatballs next i used to, to play his guitar in a gunny sack right wait we don't even a railroad track all what right your, what's, your, what's your go-to song uh, go-to song. I'll get back with you on that. All right. I don't even have a good go-to song yet. You got to work on that. Cripple Creek. What that? There you go. All right. We're out. Back again Thursday. Thanks for being with us. For the Senator, for Hoppy, special thanks to Sean Reagan for joining us. Three Guys Before the Game produced by Daniel Woods. Back at you. Three Guys Before the Game brought to us by Burdett Camping Center, the only warranty forever RV dealer in all of West Virginia, and by Comax Business Systems, your full-service Konica Minota dealer. Go to Comax Business Systems, ComaxWV.com. Thanks for listening. Spread the word. See you. credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.